Are you interested in making your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You guys can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And in fact, I'm using Anchor and I love it. If you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. Today is Monday, April 13th. This is Mailbox Monday, and I'm going to be tackling your questions here like I always do on Mondays, except for I have a special guest on the show with me today, my friend Mike Ferris from the Alliance Defending Freedom and my friends over at HSLDA is here today, and he's going to tackle one of the questions that a lot of you are asking. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today. Today's podcast is brought to you by MomStrong International. We've got 15,000 over you over there right now with the scripture writing challenge. And if you're new to the podcast, MomStrong International is an online community of women focused on learning about God's desire for their lives through the study of his word. And we'd love to have you join us over there. There's a free scripture writing challenge, or you can dive a little bit deeper and become a member of the Bible study community. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. We're living in challenging times and uh, we need to know God's word. And one of the reasons I'm excited about my guest today is uh, Mike Ferris is a man who knows God's word and can defend it. I've been a friend of his for a long time. And I had a question come in on the podcast and I was thinking, boy, I I wouldn't be good at this, but Mike would. Called him on the phone and thank you, coronavirus. He was home and able to take the call. So Mike Ferris, welcome to the podcast. Heidi, it's a pleasure to finally be with you. We've been talking about doing this for a while, but now we've been able to do it. God's timing is perfect. It is. I agree. So I'm going to jump right in because I think you're going to be able to offer a lot of hope and help to several people who have this question right now. Uh, A mom from Ohio wrote in and she's very concerned about what she sees as government overreach or or the possibility of government overreach. And here's what she says. Heidi, how do we biblically view drastic government decisions for the benefit of our health as a nation and community in light of coronavirus versus personal freedoms? I live in Ohio where our governor took some early drastic steps trying to prevent the spread of the coronavirus, such as closing everything that's not considered an essential business and shuttering things like restaurants, uh, even down the street from our house. I've seen it so far as wise measures to prevent the spread of the disease, but I'm becoming concerned. I wouldn't think much about it, except that there are many freedoms otherwise I enjoy daily that I would never want government to overstep their bounds, such as freedom of religion, freedom to school my children in the way our family decides, parental rights on behalf of our children and others. Uh, Can you help? So Mike, what say you? Well, it's a really great and important question, and a lot of people are thinking about it, so it's perfect for us to focus on it. Uh, And I'm glad that the question focused on her governor, because that's the place to start. Uh, The president's authority in this area is really pretty limited. He can recommend things. He can serve as a backup to the states. The federal government can serve as a backup to the states. But the president's authority in this context is pretty much limited to stopping uh, international travel and to some degree regulate interstate travel, the 
He can regulate the airlines, for example, through the, the Commerce Clause authority that he has. But most of it, most of the things, closing businesses, closing churches, closing other parks, other facilities, has basically all been done by governors. And they have to have the authority to do that under their state statutes. And so at some point in the time in the past, the state legislature enacted a law that gave the government, the governor rather, emergency powers. Now, one of the things is he has to live within within those powers. And if the, the powers, for example, I'm making this up hypothetically, the powers say he can only issue an emergency order for 30 days, then that's it. His order can last a maximum of 30 days. And if he truly believes that he needs to have an order the last 60 days, for example, then he's got to go back to the legislature and get a uh, an extension of that time, a new law that says now the governor has power for 60 days. So, uh, you know, keep in mind that those numbers, I just made those up hypothetically. So don't think that your governor can only do this for 30 days. It depends on what your state law says about it. But the, the question then becomes kind of what are the constitutional considerations? What are the biblical considerations? Um, the constitutional considerations are that the government cannot intrude on fundamental freedoms unless there's two things present. One is there's a compelling governmental interest. And secondly, that interest is being pursued in the manner that is the least intrusive on our freedoms. And so let me unpack each of those things. And I'll, I'll use an analogy I think everybody could relate to. If there was an earthquake in the community and a lot of biz- buildings got harmed, including, let's say, all the churches in the community, and there was structural damage, they're still upright, but there's structural, structural damage, and it's not safe to go into the buildings. The building department can issue an order closing all the churches because they've closed all the other buildings that have suffered structural damage. And that doesn't violate anybody's religious freedom because it's not done for any reason that's aimed at religion. It's, you know, it's any building that's in this situation being treated equally. And there is a clear safety hazard uh, that would satisfy the compelling interest test. So the, the using that test and that analogy, um, is there a compelling governmental interest? Yes. The health and safety of people in a dire situation is a compelling governmental interest. The courts will, would agree with that without too much debate. The second part is, is there a, a less restrictive alternative? And in, in my earthquake example, no, there really isn't. Um, un- unless you were going to erect uh, a tent, you know, put up a temporary tent in the parking lot and it's all safe, then and then they couldn't come and say, well, you can't also meet in the tent. And if they did that, that wouldn't be the less restrictive alternative. And they would the government would have gone too far. And they couldn't re- forbid you from renting a, a building in another part of town that wasn't damaged. So if they did that, that would go too far. So to take those principles and apply them here, as long as the the churches are being treated equally at ADF, we're not today thinking that we could win a case for the closure of churches. Now, we did have a situation in Washington state where the governor's order appeared to, to say that a pastor and a small crew couldn't go to the church, couldn't leave their homes to drive the church to record or broadcast an online service. And we sent a demand letter to the governor of Washington and the governor's office changed their public information right after we sent the letter. And so the, uh, the, um, and there's been a situation in uh, Indiana where 
a county closed other buildings, didn't close other buildings, but closed churches. We wrote about that and got that one um, addressed as well. And so, um, but the general principle of protecting people for, uh, for their health and safety would satisfy the compelling interest test. Now, the standard comes is when we get down road a little bit, uh, I talked to the head of our Indi, uh, international team today, who's in Vienna, Austria. And Austria is going to start opening things up again next Wednesday. And, you know, they, they've gone past the curve or the, the, they, they're down on the downside of the curve. Things are getting better and they're going to start opening things up. If we get on the downside of the curve and they're not opening things back up, you're going to see us go into court because um, the the ability to do that uh, uh, in the meantime, if if if, if this pro is prolonged and it, it really is, does the solution match the problem? That's the issue. And on a short range thing, the courts are not going to uh, interfere very readily unless there's inequality. Inequality is a big deal. And, and we've we've got a lawsuit about to file in North Carolina for inequality of treatment for pro-lifers who are standing ah, out. For David Benham. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so we're, we're, we're getting ready to go to court for that group uh, down in two different places in North Carolina. David's one of them. And, and so we are, uh, we sent demand letters in David's case and we we're well down the road for a lawsuit in, in another case. Um, and so we'll go after them if they treat people unequally uh, or, you know, who are, who are violent, who are abiding by the orders, but they're being arrested because they don't like what they're doing. So we are at, at the ready. And it's a terribly uh, complicated balance. And I probably said something now that you can ask me a really interesting follow up question. Well, my my, my follow up question is going to be simply this. Do ordinary Americans need to be worried about this? Because we're watching what happened. I, I watched it live, what happened with David Benham. And I my jaw hung open. I looked at my husband. I'm like, what is going on? It seems to me like we're uh, you've got opportunists. I mean, that's what it looks like to me. An opportunist who's going, "Hey, coronavirus, let's let's uh, start arresting people who we don't agree with." I mean, it sounds to me like that's what's going on. So, the mom who's listening to this right now, and she's she's looking at that, and there's fear in her heart. Like, when are they going to come after the homeschool mom? When are they going to do this? When are they going to do that? Yeah. I think that's what the ordinary Americans are asking right now. Well, the the good thing about homeschooling is that, um, of course. Everybody in America is a homeschooler right now. Uh, it has school-aged children, at least. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's done a lot of good for the general public acceptance of homeschooling. Just think of what it would have been like uh, to face this if homeschooling hadn't convinced the American public that you can, get a, you can do a decent job with your kids when you have them at home. That's uh, right. Uh, we we turned the, uh, made it possible for America to not have a health crisis turn into an educational crisis. Yes. Now, uh, and so... Uh, and I think that, that we're going to see some people homeschooling after this, and that's mm-hmm. all going to be good. But th- there is no scenario that I can imagine where officials could use emergency power to come after homeschoolers. Um, and so if they tried it, that's what people like HSLDA and ADF are here for, is mm-hmm. that we would come after them if they if they go too far. Now, if they, you know... They closed the library and it's closed for everybody and the homeschoolers needed to use the library for some reason. Well, I'm sorry that we're not going to win that case right now. Right. Because it's closed for everybody. It's closed for everybody. But if they if they closed it just to homeschoolers, that would be a problem and that would not be permitted. 
Right. And can you talk to the mom? There was another mom who wrote to me kind of a similar question. She was talking about an article that she read, and I know you guys saw it, about a summit that's being held at Harvard University. There's yeah. people. She said, do people really want to shut homeschooling down? And I'm like, uh, yes, of course they do, because it's a threat to the government school system. Yeah. But you're the best person in the world to ask that question to. So can you address what's happening at Harvard? And I, my, I'm under the understanding that HSLDA didn't get invited, correct? Uh, no, no, neither HSLDA nor me. Uh, in fact, they've got <laughs> sessions on it, and um, I, I know one of the people that's going to that. Uh, and so, um, first of all, it's not sponsored by Harvard University. People need to know that. That's important. Uh, uh, it, it, one Harvard professor uh, has, you know, is is a sponsor of the event. And so private, you know, like student groups at Harvard can do things. Faculty members at Harvard can do things. So this is an event at Harvard, not an event by Harvard. Harvard still wants homeschool kids to go to Harvard. And so they, uh, I, I don't think you'll see Harvard University doing much to promote this. Secondly, I'm not sure this is going to actually come to pass um, because of the coronavirus situation. It may end up getting canceled or postponed or something. So that's another factor to be, be considered. But these are people that um, want to, to uh, destroy the, the right of, of homeschooling. And their, their principal uh, uh, arguments against homeschooling are based on the fact that it's philosophically um, different than what they want to see done with children. They don't like the fact that people teach their children that Jesus is the only way to God. They don't like mm -hmm. the fact that they we, we, we teach that God created male and female and he meant for them to be different. Um, and, you know, that traditional marriage and other things like that. Um, so that they, they openly say these things. I wrote an article about this. It was published in the Peabody Journal of Education maybe six or seven years ago uh, that you, know, you can find online. It's called Tolerance and Bigotry. You put my name in and the words Tolerance and Bigotry, you can find the, the article online. So it's a law review article, of, effectively, all published in an educational journal, showing how law professors across the country want to curtail homeschooling because of its philosophical approach to life. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and ultimately, what they really don't like is that we teach that Jesus is the only way to God. And, and so, um, but the good news is the Harvard conference couldn't have picked a worse time to do this. Not only right. is the coronavirus going to um, maybe get in their way, but everybody in America is now has at least some uh, allegiance to homeschooling. And for them to think that they're, you know, homeschoolers are a bunch of crazy people, you know, is, is just simply not going to fly nearly as well today. And so if there's one silver lining in the whole thing, thing of this mess that we're in. That's one of them that, that I've thought of. Yeah, that's for sure. I don't know if you saw this, but there was an article was published a couple of days ago in the New York Post. I don't normally read the New York Post, but someone tagged me in it. And I was flabbergasted. They were basically saying they think that this, uh, the shutdown of the public school system and having kids get off the, the rat race, the fast track, has been the best thing that's happened to school kids in 75 years. And they went on to say kids are out riding bicycles again. They're they're making pancakes. They're interacting with their parents. And I got to thinking, I actually don't see a downside to that. I don't either. Uh, and, you know, I, I put up a thing on my Facebook page that got spread around a bit. Uh, 
you know, a couple hundred thousand people, I guess, uh, looked at it, uh, giving people ideas of how they can teach their kids without buying a single item of material and uh, all kinds of things that you can do. And I hope that a lot of parents that were not involved in homeschooling uh, will look at that and say, hey, you know, my kids can learn a lot. They can learn about geography. They can learn about history. They can learn about they can learn to read. They can learn how to do possessives. And by the way, for everybody listening, you don't put an apostrophe S after most plurals, okay? Uh, and, and uh, um, you know, it's, it's a rare exception to that. And so it doesn't apply to you. You don't get any exceptions. Just, you know, do it another way. Um, and so there are a lot of things that people can learn in this, this time period. And I think it's all to the good of homeschooling. Yeah, I do too. A couple other things I'm going to ask you really quickly. Uh, I'm wondering, can you calm the fears of a lot of people listening to this? I mean, there are people who are listening to this right now whose whose kids are home for the first time, and they've been kind of on the fence about homeschooling, but now they're looking at how quickly the government can shut down a nation, right? How quickly we can uh, have our lives altered and they're afraid. And I see a lot of fear, and we know that the Bible teaches that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, right? Power and love and a sound mind. So what do you say to the parents who are listening to this right now that just need a reassurance? Uh, and then I'm going to follow it up with what we can do to make sure our freedoms are protected, particularly parental rights. Well, yeah, you're, you've got us on the right track by saying that fear is not the right approach to this uh, for the, for the reasons that you've outlined. Um, the, you know, our country uh, is going to have good days and bad days. Uh, our uh, the world's going to have good days and bad days. Uh, our, our government's going to be better at times and worse at times. And what we have to do is, is to be connected and rely upon the God of the universe who is faithful in season and out in season. There is no shadow of turning with him. That uh, old hymn line is taken straight from scripture. And uh, it is, um, it's the truth. And so, uh, the the one good thing about being in the homeschool world is that um, you know my kid my grandkids I have twenty five grandchildren are um, and they're well a few of them are graduated now but but those are of the right age are all being homeschooled and yeah. and so their educations uh, have not been interrupted at all and and you know things goes on and so the, there's a stability in your life that when other things are topsy turvy. Uh, homeschooling provides you a capacity for stability that other forms of education won't. And, you know, you know, just to give a little educational pitch for homeschooling, um, our, we have 10 kids and the youngest two are still in college. Uh, they're both in PhD programs. One's getting a PhD in biomedical research. He's the last year of that program at Notre Dame. Um, and this, that's child number nine, child number 10, Peter is at Michigan State getting a PhD in nuclear physics. And, and so, you know, homeschooling can uh, be a great educational uh, method. I have personally taught at Patrick Henry College five homeschool kids who clerk for the Supreme Court of the United States. One's there clerking right now. Um, and so whether it's medicine or science or whatever, or if it's carpentry or being a pastor or being a mom at home or, you know, anything uh, that you want to do, homeschoolers have found a way to be successful in all areas of life. And it is a terrific education. But the real reason we we did it, we, we homeschooled for 33 years and then we got mad and quit. Uh, 
um, because <laughs> we ran out of kids. And uh, is that our kids are walking with God. Yeah. That, that, that's the reason, you know, that's right. the, the academics are great, but family loyalty, family unity, not family, you know, my kids are, are different from each other. They're different from me and my wife in some ways, but on the big stuff, we're in harmony. And, and so, you know, God and our country and the constitution, um, not that those things are equal, but those are all big things. Yeah. Uh, our, our kids are in harmony with us and, and all of our kids chose to homeschool their kids. So those are the kinds of things that, um, are important. And we're really, really glad that we invested those 33 years in homeschooling our kids. Yeah, that's totally right. And I know that's been my experience too. I'm not as far along uh, the road as you are. We're no, it's because you just got out of high school a week or two. I ago. just got out of high school. I know it was just yesterday. Yeah. I talk about that a lot here at the show. <laughs> Somebody asked me not too long ago, you know, why why in the world would you uh, choose? Because our oldest daughter is almost 30 now. And why would you guys choose to homeschool your kids? And it's and I said, we taught our kids to read so that they could read the word of God. And outside of that, uh, we want our kids to walk with the Lord. And we want our families to, it's everything that you said, because we want our kids to do what God wants them to do. Whether that's they become a nuclear physicist or a stay-at-home mom or a pastor or a missionary, uh, we want them to do what God wants them to do. And we found the best way to do that was to keep them home and love them like crazy and give them the tools that they needed. And it's it, it's proven to be I, one of the best decisions that we've ever made uh, as a couple. And so that's exciting to me. And I'm really, I'm watching you with your 25 grandkids. Savannah's going to have her little baby Juniper any day now. So Wonderful. this will be our first granddaughter. We have two grandsons and an, and a, and a little granddaughter is going to be born here any minute. So we're excited about that. One other question, uh, talk to the parents who they, they're, they're going, what can we do to help make sure that our freedoms, our parental rights are respected? What kinds of things should we be looking out for? Uh, how can we sort of get ahead of it? I'm, you know, one of the themes here at the podcast has always been trying to get my listeners off the bench and onto the battlefield. And so these are people who are listening and active and engaged. And I thought, boy, you could probably give them a, a really good uh, a push in the right direction. Well, there are um, three or four things that immediately come to mind. Uh, one is that you need to register to vote. There's an incredible number of people including people that share my evangelical Christian faith that believe all the things I believe politically, but they just don't ever bother to register to vote. So register yeah. to vote and go vote for heaven's sakes. Heaven's um, sakes. Yes. Yeah. And secondly, if you, if there are candidates in your area that are, uh, have the right philosophy. And if you want to know what their philosophy is, ask them this one question, what's the purpose of government? And if they say something that in the order of, the purpose of government is to protect life, liberty, and property and to punish those who do evil, then that's a freedom-loving person. Go go help them. And especially, you know, they, they need to be right to life and a few other basic issues that you all know about. But just ask them that question. If they say the purpose of government is to provide for the needs of people, they're a socialist. And, yep. you know, d don't help them. Um, the, then you need to s support organizations that are standing for your freedom. Uh, support HSLDA, support your state homeschooling organization, Be a, join them, give them some money, uh, volunteer for them. And if you, if you want to help on the national things on right to life, religious freedom, uh, parental rights, and other 
um, free speech issues that ADF is involved with, I would appreciate your help for Alliance Defending Freedom. So that'd be great. Those are things to do. But, you know, getting your kids involved in these things is a really important deal. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you can teach your kids how to vote uh, if you want to, and they can go vote in the next election. Uh, I'd encourage them to go find 10 people at their church who aren't registered to vote and then have the kids shame them into saying, I want you to vote. Uh, and, and then they go check up on those 10 people. They get them information about the candidates. And then they, on a week before the election, they start calling them and say, have you, you know, you need to remember to go vote. And on election day, until that person has gone to vote, that per, the kid's on the phone challenging them to go vote. Your children can vote 10 times if they want. If, they want, if they're ambitious, they can vote 20 times. So getting your kids involved in things like this is, is a way you can really turn the country around. I love it. Mike Ferris, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, also the general counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom and the founder of Patrick Henry College. Do you ever take a nap and HSLVA <laughs> and all the things? You never sleep. Like it's a well-known myth in the homeschool community that Mike Ferris has actually <laughs> never slept a day in his life. <laughs> that, that is a myth. I have two speeds. I'm on or I'm off. And when yeah. I'm off, I'm off. You know, I, yeah, I'm I actually the very same way. Yeah, I yeah. hear you. It's like when you're off, you're like, nope. You know, yeah. my, my husband will say, don't care. Still yeah. don't care. That's, right. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, Mike Ferris, you're such a blessing. Thank you for uh, coming on here. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll send everybody out there to ADF and over to HSLDA, kind of see what you're doing. But I really appreciate you calming our fears and just really educating and encouraging at the same time. You're a real blessing. Thank you, Heidi. God bless you. Keep up the good work. Thank you. For more information on Mike Ferris, I'll link back to all things Mike Ferris in the show notes today. And don't forget to join me over at momstronginternational.com where we are introducing a brand new Bible study. We're talking for the whole month of April about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Also, the new page that my husband and I put up last week, learnathome.today, full of information and videos that I have made on how to start homeschooling and keep homeschooling without losing your mind. You guys are going to love it. Check it out. Learn at home. Today. Have a great day, everybody. And I'll see you back here on Wednesday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.